0: You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCR LP, Santa Cruz.
1: Hi, I'm Eliza Jane Brazier, and you are listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony
0: show, you're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Eliza Jane Brazier. She's the author of Good Rich People. Eliza, how are you?
1: I'm great. Uh, thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, I'm excited to have you on. I, I got to, um, I, the book came to me, uh, like a day or so ago. So I, I'm ex- <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> As we were talking earlier, speaking of publicist, no, no, the, your publicist was publicist great. Yeah. 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 No, she's great. She got it to me. Like, um, she got it to me with like fast, but, it, uh, anyway, the, I shouldn't go on and on about the problems of my life. Okay. Um, but I got to read the first 50 pages of it, and I'm totally oh, hooked, okay. and I can't wait That's to have. Anyway, <laughs> Do you th- no, come on. Okay,
1: I'm just I'm telling you.
0: <laughs> But 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 at the same time, the first 50 means a lot, right?
1: Yeah. No, I mean you got the vibe.
0: Yeah. And well, and I'm I i can not wait to because I'm hooked. So <laughs> so it's like I, later this week I'll have t- time to like sit down and pleasure read the rest of it.
1: Yeah. No uh, spoilers. Anyway, you won't be able to. <laughs>
0: Oh, no. that's Yeah, it's fine. But, you know, it's funny. It's like um because I also teach screenwriting. Everyone's like, oh, my God. And they're scared of spoilers. I'm like, no, everything's spoiled for us. So what are you working on? It's, you know, there's there's yeah, kind yeah. of a.
1: I actually like spoilers and this is like I guess kind of speaks to what you're saying just I think like as a writer I like to know beforehand going in so I can kind of like analyze how they do something so I like I like to be spoiled on everything I don't like to be surprised because then I'm just reading too fast and I'm like too engaged in the story and like I want to be kind of like removed and be like the author analyzing it more than you know I get too like too uh anxious (laughs) oh that's funny there's
0: there's anxiety involved that's funny but but also uh I think as writers, we are looking for the, how did they get there? How, yeah. and, and it's just, and you know, that's when like great writers, I'm just like, Oh my God, they got me hooked. They did it. You. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know what else though? I feel like if you're a writer, you're usually, you kind of usually know where something's going, right? Cause it's all like, everything kind of follows this traditional story structure. So, you know, if like, you know, so everyone has too good of a moment, you know, someone's going to die <laughs>
0: right Everything right
1: seems really good and solved you're like oh someone's about to die
0: <laughs> well what's lo- yeah what's lovely about your book the first scene is there's a pro there there's blood in the fountain so yeah it's we know it we know How it's going you? dark <laughs> there's no spoilers there it's oh, yeah. you're going to a dark place
1: yeah we're on a wild ride to a dark place
0: <laughs> so, so i you know i I know we take a lot of stuff from like real life is, is, were you in a situation where around these people that were this wealthy and went, oh my God, I have to write about this. Uh, wealthy and petty, I, th- I think is kind of the. A-
1: yeah, I mean, so to be honest, this this book was kind of like inspired and fueled by like my real experiences. So I actually lived like below the poverty line, let's say like on a technical level for like almost a decade. That's um,
0: how we do it as writers
1: know right and like, well, I wasn't a writer back then I was just like nothing um you know and I've also had like brief periods of like being homeless like living out of my car for like you know a few weeks in LA or also in London that's how I ended up meeting my late husband because he used to literally have homeless people come and live at his house because he was just nuts
0: Wait, uh, wait, oh, wait wait you're bearing the lead there okay let's go back to that so 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 you met your husband because you you, pu- you pulled up in a sleeping bag in front of his house? No, well, I mean, okay, so. That's, that's the picture I just had.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it is, it's, it's actually probably a prettier picture than the reality. <laughs> I moved to London. I had like this six months sort of work visa. And part of that was including like a job that had housing. I was working at a hostel. And after I was there for a month, they changed managers and the manager fired everyone. So I had met my husband the day I got to London and we were just friends, but he literally already had, he had homeless people living with him the entire time that we were together. And it wasn't like sort of like cool, like your cool friend. It was like people who were a lot older, had like serious addiction problems. My husband was really into like helping people um
0: he sounds amazing he needed
1: help well yeah no he was amazing he was really a character man so i was only friends with him at that point but i needed a place to stay and i was like hanging out with them and there was already kind of people just on the sofas and stuff and i was like can i just stay here so I stayed there, got another job. That job was with really extremely wealthy people in London who also who turned out to be completely nuts. And he was like, you need to leave there. So came back, lived with him again, got another job. That also didn't work out. So it's like back and forth until we eventually sort of actually started dating and then like kind of living together in a romantic way. But initially, uh-huh. like it wasn't that. Like it was literally like, you're the only person I know. And like, I know, like back then I used to be like super maybe like a little too like trusting and I would just stay with strangers. So yeah. Crazy times.
0: Those but are yeah. the good times. So, uh, so. I'm
1: sorry, we got kind of distracted. So. No, no, rest-
0: no, we're not distracted. This is great. That's so. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm always, you know, I, I've, I have failed relationships. I'm trying to figure it out myself. I'm a divorce fella, you know? So, um, but so when, when does it turn like, was it awkward when it turned romantic was it was it was it kind of like wait i'm into you and this is freaking me out
1: well so this is like so awkward okay so this is (laughs) yes like my memories might be like a little sketchy but like to be honest it's like he had when i first met him he had just broken up with his girlfriend who was uber super rich i can't believe i'm talking about her but uh, i'm not so it, that it wasn't like romantic in that case and a lot of people honestly at that time was like this about me were like oh what are you doing like hanging out with this girl like she's taking advantage of you you know what i mean like yeah. she's, because she's living with you you know it's like i couldn't afford to live in london so it was kind of like a weird time and then we had i don't know and then it was like we sort of i guess started being more like dating and then he kind of freaked out and was like like kicked me out and then well, uh, that
0: makes sense. That, uh, that makes a lot I of sense. Up,
1: oh, sorry. He calls me up and was like, "Do you want to meet my parents?" And I was like, "What? You just kicked me out oh. of the house!" <laughs> so it was a Like it was, it was weird because he was like super into like helping people, but nobody was really helping him. So I ended up being the person who was helping him because he had a lot of problems. Uh, you know, up until when he died, he, um, yeah. So it was just. Like, oh, and I didn't, die- die- <clears throat> I didn't know he died.
0: I didn't know he died. Oh man, yeah. when when did he die?
1: Um, seven years ago
0: that's so that's rough you're a widower
1: yeah no it's really rough man it's freaking it's crazy you know what's interesting too is like one of okay so but right before he died he had a major accident where i mean i don't want to guess go into detail but he like had an accident where he basically lost the use of his arm and there was a guy like i said there was always someone living on our sofa so i was actually in like at home at that time in california with my parents and the guy living on the sofa actually saved his life so he lived for like another two months but isn't that like crazy that like I mean, I guess it's just weird because it's like you have these kind of bizarro relationships, and just I don't know, it's interesting to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: I think I'm uh. feeling like way too like okay. So well, but-
0: and and also I think I mean that you know the, I think there's something about writers that have like a lot of tragedy. There, there's an honesty that you read into their writing. So even if it's a even if it's a book, if it's a yarn like Good Rich People, you know yeah. that there's there's tapping into. Uh, the human condition in a, in a different angle when yeah. when yeah. there's major tragedy. And so there's a way to like go there and kind of be unapologetic about it, I guess is what sure. I'm saying.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, totally. And I mean, like going back to like uh, talking about the book. So a lot of like my experiences and like the sort of like crazy stuff I went through at that time actually is like kind of in the book in like a fictionalized way. And it's sort of like Demi's backstory. Um, and then with like the rich people. So my husband was a musician. And so he would sometimes play at like the homes of like these extremely wealthy people. And I would also like, I worked at like a pub in uh, Chelsea in London, which was like a posh people pub. Um, and so like, just like those interactions with like these super wealthy people, especially in England, where I think there's another layer <gasps> oh, of slavery because yeah. very classist society. Like it's not even just about money, right? It's also like, you have to have have been like, you have to be like a Lord or an Earl, or whatever it is.
0: You right? had to have some good breeding. They, 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 the people who yeah. have kids, they're, they're not parents, they're studs and what do you call it? What do you call it in horse terms? Studs oh. and mares when you're breeding?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah, for sure. Like it's a different level of like snobbery. And there's also like a very kind of vicious sense of humor. I don't know if it's just English or, or if it's like, <laughs> but like, yeah, just like, so a lot of that actually informed the sort of wealthy people. And I think like, also like the, to me, it's humor. I think some people read it as being just horrible, but <laughs> it's oh, kind of like an English sense of humor where you're like, this is mean. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, 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 you you know I mean? <clears throat> um It's, it's interesting that the, I, cause I would see here I am in Los Angeles. I'm assuming I'm like, Oh man, She's, she was around something and, uh, and I'm trying to figure out what part of Los Angeles. I'm like, was she, a, but it was London that you had this expert, most of this.
1: Well, yeah, so like a lot of that was going on. To be fair, when I wrote this book, I was living in LA mm-hmm. and it was originally called Beachwood Canyon. That was like the working title. Cause I
0: was <laughs> I was thinking the Beachwood Canyon Cafe ah, uh, yeah, market.
1: You can see still like the hints of it in it when she talks about going to the market. or Yeah, the, the market. Like, That's the one I was good. thinking. Yeah, yeah. No, originally it was a lot more like grounded in that kind of reality and it just kind of became crazier and crazier. But so I was living at that time in a duplex, right? And upstairs there was like a really successful director who just had a movie come out, um, another huge movie, and living with his his wife who was like a writer. And I was downstairs in this super dark uh, like one bedroom. And even though it was kind of like, it was kind of like a creepy uh, place, it was the nicest place I had ever lived. So like, whilst I'm like writing about, I was just writing about like, I guess like my own, like my own experiences going from like being like, having like so little to now I have more, but like people would still be like, Oh, this place is creepy. Like this place is weird. And I'd be like, are you kidding me? Like it has one bedroom. Yeah. (laughs) Hello.
0: (laughs) And, 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 and the, the area is just gorgeous and perfect and central.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. So like when I wrote it, yeah, I was living in, in LA. So that also liked for sure, like inspired it and like the vibe and hopefully that like comes through. Um, my parents are from LA, like my, my grandfather and everything, like you said, a house there when I was a kid. So I do. Oh, have, like, so you grew up in LA. I grew up like more in San Diego. Okay. So we would visit LA all the time. I always wanted to live there when I was younger. And then you know when i finally like would i remember well, i tried to live there in my 20s and that's when i was living out of my car and like extremely hopeful about my chances and like literally after a couple of weeks it was like this is horrible well, <laughs> but then it- I came back. <laughs> yeah later. But it, like- it was, especially back then may it was like a di- i mean it's especially when you're young i guess but it used to be kind of different i feel because the porn industry was a lot bigger it was just like a much darker place Felt
0: like oh okay was that because i wasn't here at the time i live. i grew up in san francisco okay. and i didn't move here until eight years ago so yeah. what was that seeping into hollywood too i always thought that was a san fernando valley type of vibe the, uh, i don't know industry. i feel like it was
1: all around and i guess i shouldn't really maybe blame that but i just there was just like a lot of just it was just a dark vibe i guess la is kind of a dark city though even without all that
0: it's interesting yeah it's uh my it's i i've LA, I, I think about this all the time because as I walk through LA, I'm always walking through Los Angeles as a San Franciscan, but I live in LA and I love LA.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's, but I, I still have to, it's still kind of aesthetically jarring to me because of how spread out it is. But at yeah. the same time, it's beautifully amazing of because of how spread out it is. It's, yeah. it's such a um, push and pull, I think
1: well yeah and it's such a like there's so many like there's just secret like communities in it there's so much there once you get to know it and actually live there there is like and i talk about this in the book like how it's like the most beautiful city and the most ugly city in the world depending on where you're standing like there's such like this sense i feel like of like multiple parallel universes all sort of layered on top of each other in one like location you know
0: yeah and it's and what i like about it as well is um I tend to you know like there's a um I guess there's a lot of people coming in and out so I could find my comrades even in a situation where if I'm at like some industry screening or something or party and I'm just going and I'm feeling totally out of place you yeah. know and then and then it's just like I find the one guy that looks the same way as me and we both have had you know and and I'll never drink at these events I, I used to like every you know cuz all the events down here they're just like and here's top shelf bourbon. And I'm like, I'll take five. Yeah, you know, and, th- and, then I, and then I was just like, why am I doing this? So yeah. then I started never drinking at these events. And then I was like, oh, because I don't like most of these people. <laughs> it's, um, it's because I'm irritated. So just yeah. leave early or find another weirdo. And then that's that's so much more fun than being yeah. sloshed. And like, you yeah. know. No, and
1: it is like true that there is like some of the coolest people in I mean, not in the world, but there are some really freaking cool people there because it's like, you get all these creatives and they're all kind of there because they love storytelling. And so that's like really cool. Like even just like walking around LA and overhearing people's conversations and they're all talking about creativity and like art and storytelling. And I think that's just like so cool. Cause where else do you have that? You know what I, I know
0: I mean? <laughs> it's yeah, I would,
1: well, I love LA if I could afford it, man, I'd be there,
0: but yeah, well, you're there, yeah, I'm, I'm in a rent control situation. So I'm like, I'm not budging until I buy, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's the, it's like in San Francisco, I used to hate it when I would overhear tech conversations or people talking about tech and it would just like jar me. Cause I'm like, uh-huh, you know, it's fine, but come on, not at my cafe where I'm sitting here trying to read and I'm being a, you know, I'm being a beatnik, you know, or whatever. And then, but in LA, I, I, I have like screenwriting students and I have a screenplay I had to read last night. And I was I was gonna bring it to the cafe, but I can't bring myself to go to a cafe with a screenplay to read yeah. and do and redline because then it feels like I'm the jerk.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it's like, oh, who does he think he is sitting there with a script and a dream? No,
1: no, I'm just <laughs> I know, like I've never been able to do the writing in public
0: thing either. Oh no, I write in public all the time. Oh, sorry. I, I, no, no. <laughs> oh no, I, yeah, no, I hate that. <laughs> no yeah it, we can be disagreeable it's fine <laughs> no no i write in public all the time but i, I usually handwrite write or i'm redlining but just there's something about the screenplay format like yeah. here i'll show you which you know this is what i this is what i had to do you know what i redlined yes uh last yeah. night i don't want to bring this to a cafe that makes me look like a, a sad um screenwriter even though i am a sad screenwriter <laughs> but I but I don't want to bring that energy there I'd rather have a book and then be writing a novel you know or, or yeah. scenes handwriting so Why not? yeah good times and then what and then how did you end up leaving LA did you say well, I, you I do- got I got so many book deals um and you and you like dropped your books and you're like I'm out
1: no, it was because like, well, to be honest, it's like COVID, man. Like I only moved there oh. moved to LA, like what? Like probably t- I, boy, two years. I was there for like two years, right? So like mm-hmm. I moved there and like uh, after one year, it was like COVID and I was like locked down and I was paying like three grand a month to be Oof. locked in like a basement, you know, that right. place. And I was like, no, this. Oh, so
0: you were in Beachwood when the COVID. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's
1: when I wrote this book was uh. like down. It was that when it started, I wrote the first draft. But yeah. So it was like, this is not, this is sucks. And so then I, I got a dog and I got a horse and I was like, I want to live with my horse. So I was like, like how can I be close to LA and have my horse in my backyard? Yeah.
0: So, so some people got COVID dogs, but you got a COVID dog and a COVID horse.
1: Yeah, I got COVID everything. mate. It's so funny. Like what would have happened if I hadn't? Cause like I was, I, I don't usually spend money, but like whenever COVID happened, I was like, let's go to town like who cares oh really all over yeah i was like buy everything whatever
0: so was the horse the biggest purchase or was there
1: Bought a car and then i bought a house that i live in so like, oh yeah. cool
0: so it all worked <laughs> out Now, now you're now you yeah that's covid worked out great for you or you'd still be in a basement apartment in beachwood canyon
1: i know i probably would with like driving my sister's car around you know um <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, it's just like making, I guess, just making a life that you can live with. I mean, I'm a very like solo person anyway. So even whenever I was in LA, I probably only went out once a month, uh, once a month. So like before COVID. Right. So I think part of it too, is like just accepting, like, you don't have to be like super social You can just go, you know,
0: right. Yeah.
1: Like, cause I used to always feel bad about it, but now with COVID it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be yourself
0: yeah yeah it's funny well what's you you know i mean you know i didn't know san diego and los angeles had such different cultures until i came down to live down here and it's very um it's so intriguing to me because i just thought oh it's all cool uh and then and then i come down here and then i'm like you know people say oh yeah i was trying to get out of san diego as fast as possible i'm like why would you want to do that and then it's just like oh wait interesting
1: yeah, I did really used to not, I mean, I don't like, I mean, I still don't live there, but like I used to really, yeah, hate California, sorry, not California, hate San Diego because I felt like there was no culture like whatsoever. It's just like surfing and stuff and like maybe smoking weed, which I don't do either of those things. Yeah. Um, you know, what's interesting though, right? So you were raised Jehovah's Witness. I was raised yeah. Mormon. No way. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> so like I had kind of a different, I think, upbringing in a way, like even. But similar at the Canada, same time. Well, oh, no, sorry. Yeah. Similar to you, but different to other people in San Diego who probably just had like a chilled out. I was kind of like, you know, going yeah. to church and stuff like that. So, Did you go on That's mission? Extra reason to get away. No, back then they didn't encourage women to go on missions. So they've kind of changed their- Oh, bless their
0: heart. Wasn't that a great way to get out of it?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, like it was weird. Like back then it was like you were you had to be older and they like, kind of like didn't really push. They wanted you to get married. I actually went to Brigham Young University for a few years, the Mormon University.
0: Oh, okay. This cool. All
1: right, and then before, like, then L.A. and then London and all that kind of stuff.
0: So, but when yes. you were when you were a Mormon, was it encouraged to be creative and write? Like, did no. you have that? You know,
1: no, definitely not. No, I was encouraged to go to church, have friends who are Mormon, and give them all your money.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 all your money and all your time.
1: Um, yeah, and there'll be
0: no reason to be anywhere else. Yeah, man. How yeah. did you uh, so? But I mean, did you, because I fully believed in the Jehovah's Witnesses. So I wasn't like I sat there thinking, oh, I'm duped. Oh, I'm in a cult. I was... I was like in, and then it took me a long time to grapple with the possibility that it was wrong. How did you get out of the, how did you leave Mormon?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, when I was younger, I, you know, even like growing up, I felt like I never really took it like that seriously, but then I would also, I'm a very like intense and passionate person. So then also I'd have like these moments of being like, oh yeah, it's definitely, you know, but like, I would say primarily I didn't take it seriously. and I was kind of like more of like a joker and like, you know, Sunday school and stuff so then I you know I wanted to go to UCLA but but Mm -hmm. I felt a lot of pressure to go to BYU um and which I
0: I don't know I mean I don't know that much about college because I didn't go to college but it sounds like I mean that's the great thing about Mormons is you can like actually get a a, a education and Jehovah's Witnesses you don't go to college
1: yeah dude yeah no I mean yeah I think Jehovah's Witnesses is is uh is sort of the stricter of the two I I know
0: if I would have went Mormon I might still be in
1: oh my god yeah
0: I never left <laughs> so like, it, it might be so cool i would have never left
1: <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know <laughs> like you would have
0: yeah so uh, so did you get married young then or were you out by that point yeah, i
1: married like like the english guy so yeah i went to like byu was and it he was, was he, like, he
0: wasn't mormon though
1: no he was he was like the opposite of mormon
0: <laughs> so so what you, so that that's like that's like an act of um what do you call it that, that's that's acting out as a mormon to marry no, no, a mormon no, i
1: i literally like okay this is like true story so i was at byu and i really felt like i just wanted to leave but i felt trapped because i'm a very like people pleaser so i felt like i couldn't get out so i purposefully failed all of my classes which is so i mean that's not right to do but i was young and uh because it's like my parents obviously paid like for me to be there probably like you know I mean not that much because they're Mormon and so it's pretty cheap for Mormons
0: but oh is that the right is that the so can I pretend to be Mormon and go get a master's degree at uh BYU and then you
1: have to pay 10% of your income I think to be a Mormon so watch out for that one but (laughs) but so I tried to like get kicked out and I didn't get kicked out so I then basically was like obviously my parents like found out I like failed all my classes and I like basically said to them I didn't want to do this and that's when I moved to LA and lived out of my car that was a disaster which I won't go into because it's way honestly it's way too intense oh, yeah. but um, then I ended up moving to London because I just really wanted to get away from I mean I love my parents they're great but I needed to get away from like that influence so I could like actually have my own life and I think that's honestly like not like, I think that's part of the reason that my life kind of went so like sideways though, is because I just didn't really have and I'm sure you can relate to this. Like, I just didn't know how to not be Mormon because I had been raised, um, to hold, sort of follow like that whole thing. And like my, the foundation of like how I like saw the world was all built on that. So like, when you take that away, I didn't know how to like be a normal person, like, sorry, not normal, but a not Mormon person. Right so it's like you almost have like a total like you know kind of like breakdown of yourself and you have to like kind of figure it out on your own and I felt like really unable to do like the most sort of things that people take for granted right
0: yeah yeah I I still I you know I've I've been out for a while but I still have um I mean it's essentially your whole belief uh, it's everything shattered in you I I try to explain it to people how it worked for me is once, once I had kind of a realization, it was like earth became ocean and ocean became earth. Yeah. It was, I was just the, the nothing was real and yeah. I was in danger and um. that's what was kind of going on in my head. Yeah. And, and even to this day, I still have remnants of it, but I can yeah. kind of like work with it.
1: No, it is. It's almost like you have to like, be like, you're like, have to be like born again. You have to like start over because it's so even ingrained from when you were a child or a baby You know, you almost feel like then you have to kind of like just like start over, um, which can be super messy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And And good.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, and good for you for getting out because we I mean, I don't know. I know you don't want to go into the um, homeless stuff and I and I won't ping you on that at all. But um, but but we do have to take extreme measures to get away. It's really yeah. crazy.
1: And like back then, I mean, I feel like not, I don't know what it's like for people now. I'm sure it's also still hard, but it's like, it wasn't like there was like nowadays there's like the internet. There's more people who have, who have moved like away from the church. Like back then I did not have any who was in my position that was, I had zero support system and like, even like people I'd interact with for honestly the rest of my life. I feel like nobody really gets it, which I yeah. guess everyone feels like that about their life. But it's just like when you go through something that's like so big, and you just feel like you always feel like an, it's it really contributes. I maybe I already felt this way, but it really contributes to you always feeling like an outsider, you know?
0: Yeah, and and for me, it was always kind of feeling like I'm doing something wrong when I'm connecting or, with people who aren't. Well, yeah, so- and then
1: or like self hatred you have to deal with. You have to deal with this like this is not evil. Like I'm not like this is not Satan that's controlling me. Like you know what I mean or like yeah like, stuff man it's heavy.
0: <laughs> it is yeah. Oh, you came to the right place. <laughs> 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 I got all the heavy. Yeah. It's um, I was even like recently, I didn't even realize that you could, it didn't even dawn on me that I could be friends with, like, I could be friends with my doctor, you know, you could be friends with people that you, you can actually go, Hey, you know, it's there's the, that block was, they are all other. And yeah. then you could, and, and then I still find myself tribal. Cause like, I have a lot, almost all my friends are writers or musicians, uh-huh. but it's like, no, wait a second. You know, I, I kind of get in a weird tribal thing, and I'm like, wait, I can be friends with people outside of this tribe, and yeah, oh,
1: wow,
0: and just yeah. and embrace that. And then I I don't know. Plus, I feel like I've had to catch up so much. Like even yeah. when I, I would I was like catching up on R-rated movies. I don't know how the Mormons oh, yeah. did. <laughs> But oh my God, I had to like, I went to film school by going to the video store in the library yeah. and just like, to, I, I wanted to know what a Scorsese was. I knew what he was, but I never was able to watch any of those films. And I was like
1: just- me in college or like when I moved to England and people were like, oh, Rolling Stones, which I was like, I have no frame of reference. <laughs> like, yeah. Not that I like loved Rolling Stones because I don't, but I really just had like no, like, you know, I don't know it- the golden oldies. That's all I had.
0: <laughs> right and 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 people don't people don't get how there's that disconnect like saturday morning cartoons are just out of my peripheral because i was preaching every yeah. saturday i was preaching so people say oh my god remember this and i'm like no i was knocking on your door while you were in your pajamas eating cereal yeah. oh my gosh wow that's
1: crazy. Yeah.
0: the um you know i did did you ever read under the banner of heaven
1: no i've heard about it though it's, it's about um is, is it
0: Seinfeld? No, it's Mormons. Oh,
1: it is about Mormons. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, that's one of the places. Where, <laughs> no, yeah. I don't
1: know the one. Who wrote it?
0: Uh, I can't remember, but I remember when I was reading it, I, I was reading it at a cafe and one of the ladies that worked there, what she was kind of, she kind of looked at the book and was like almost like fell over. And I was like, I was like, Oh, I was like, yeah, I found out she grew up Mormon. And I was like, Oh, I was like, would you, she, but she was like totally punk rock and out of the Mormons. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, she was like, I can't even look at that book. I can't read it. It like, yeah. it it freaks me out.
1: Well, and, I, and I was
0: like, I get that. I, you don't understand how much I get that.
1: Yeah, because they teach you that like it's to even read the you know, they call anti-Mormon literature is like the, de- you know, that's like the devil. And of course, you're going to believe it because that's Satan. And it's like, so yeah, you're totally like out of it. That's like the crazy thing is because like. Now I feel like I'm at a point, like this was a long, all a long time ago that I like, tr- you know, transitioned out of the Mormon church where I can like, kind of be cool with it. But like, it's just weird, man. Cause it's totally like, I don't know. I've lost my train of thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, um, we were talking about what it's like to, you know, it's like you can leave physically, but it's just like then to like read anything that's against the the theology
1: that's what i was gonna say sorry it's just that it's like when you can look at it from a distance you're like this is so ridiculous and like patently obviously fake but still okay so i have eight brothers and sisters and only one is not mormon all the other ones are still mormon and it's so hard for me to like understand well it's probably hard for them to understand me but i'm like how can you possibly but because they shield you from ever reading anything against the church you just don't know this stuff at all right you know but it's it, like you can, like trace like you can look at joseph smith and who he was before he created the church and it totally like the genesis is there like everything like he was out telling people there was gold in the mountains and making up stories about ancient civilizations and then suddenly he comes out with some book that's exactly like what he was already doing for years before you know and it's we're supposed to think it came out of nowhere anyway
0: yeah and that in that in that period of time that's like the mid 1800s right with because that was joseph smith then yeah. Yeah, and, was- and that was the jehovah's witnesses too i mean they 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 were, they, we're in
1: the air. well there yeah. was a lot. there was I and mean, that's that's the thing though that's why he invented it there was that was the trend back then that people were inventing these religions and he used to go to all of these revivals and events like with his family and then he was like basically oh, okay i'm gonna have a piece of that action in it because yeah. he was like obviously he was a very charismatic individual and so you know he just kind of like rolled with it but that's like I guess like what i mean in terms of like there's a total like genesis of it like it all kind of makes sense when you actually look at the real history but they they lie to you about what happened they change dates they like cha- you know yes
0: there's we got that too they change. <laughs> they even change bible dates to fit their narrative in yeah. the jehovah's witnesses which uh It's, it's, and it, but it's so hard because I was, I was in it and I was totally, you know, uh, you know, looking back as I, you know, if, if I had never been in it, I would go, oh my God, that poor guy was duped. But people don't understand that it's, there is no realization when you're in it, when you're in it, it's just life, you know, it's, there's, there's nothing else.
1: Yeah. I think that, and the thing is, is that people, sometimes don't realize is that we're all in it. We're all in a, some story that's made up and we all think it's true.
0: Yes, even <laughs> even outside.
1: Yeah, there's like, I mean, it's like just more insidious or more like, you know, I mean, even like the government and this country and everything, it's all a made up history and we're all just living it like it's, you know, real.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I gotta say people who come out of, you know, uh, really, what do they call it? High mind control groups. Well, we, I feel like I can see through some things in politics where I'm just like, why are you all getting behind this person? This is just a person out. This is a cult of personality yeah. Yeah. with an agenda. And it's yeah. just kind of um, yeah. it, but it's it, but people still are still getting duped. They're just get, they're just this is do you know, feel free to disagree with me because yeah. this is I'm going to go way out there now. But like <laughs> I, I I think like that we have been in this like Judeo-Christian morality mm-hmm. for thousands of years a couple thousand years at least yeah. like in general in the west yeah. yeah and then now that that's gone away all of a sudden the politicians are rising up as the deities of our day
1: well yeah now I, tell I, me
0: i'm crazy if i'm crazy because yeah, i'm open I, for that
1: no, i agree with you but i think that's always probably been the case it's like with the rulers they try to make themselves deify themselves it's like kings will say that they're they have they're like part god right and that's, oh, like, okay. that's always that's kind of the thing but like i guess the thing is that too it's like once you start like you have to kind of like I guess like accept the best you're always going to be slightly duped and you're always going to be kind of screwed over you have to just accept like the best one you can get i guess you know right because right. something that doesn't i mean there's no i guess perfect um ideology or even way of looking at the world right
0: True yeah. i mean if it was if it was uh, if it was all my world i would have yeah. i would have the most land and the most riches you know yeah. what power wouldn't get to me i'd be yeah. cool with the people down there too at the same time, they would have to kiss my ring every day.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds good.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, oh man, that yeah, sounds so great. We
1: have. It's fine. Do
0: you, do you ever feel like that we have the tools coming out of that, that we can, we could probably start a cult and we know the, we know the recipe to get people to follow us.
1: I mean, I think like for me personally, I'd have to be a man, like, but I think if I was a man and like hot, I'd be fine. So I guess uh, I
0: know to- you could go divine. You could go the woman divine. <laughs> The, the 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 feminine divine is
1: or something, but yeah. I think at least in this like world that we have right now, yeah, I'd probably need. to Oh like, wait, do
0: you need a dude to pull the strings on? We can we can like come together on this and start our cult.
1: Let's start looking. We're yeah. you're in
0: Hollywood, so yeah. Find <laughs> but you said they have to be good looking, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah uh, you know, Don't do be I-
1: shocked what we can get away with. <laughs> Don't be surprised.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 um, yeah, I just, it blows my mind. And what, and what are you, uh, when you're uh, being a writer, how are you accepted by your brother, your brothers and sisters who are still Mormons? Do they like, do they, do they like praise that? Or is that kind of like, we really wish sister that you were kind of putting your time into other things?
1: No, I mean, they're actually really great about it. I'm actually super close with my family and they're really good about all that kind of stuff and, you know, really supportive. Like I'm doing like one of my events is with my sister who's like a news reporter. So like, yeah, they're really good about it. Um, and it's definitely like, I felt like initially cause it's been such a long time now. Like we're talking like maybe like 15, 20 years since I left the church. And I think initially it was super kind of hard, although I wouldn't say anyone was supportive, but like still, you know, it's like family. So they still definitely like put these, you know, sometimes put these little like sort of like jabs in. And I know like all my mom cares about is that I get married and have kids and they all just want me to go back to the church. And it's like, they're still pushing for it. So there is an element of like, okay, you're never really going to see me because you can't. Yeah. You know, it's kind of hard, but at the same time, we all have a great relationship and everything and they're all super awesome, to be honest. It's just, it's just, it's like a weird thing. It's like a weird, you know, up submerged barrier, uh, you know.
0: Yeah, it's it's, and at the same time, I know, you know, I know their point of view because they, what if if you're in that belief system, all they want for you is the best for your life, and they really truly, they're not. It's not a sinister thing. They really truly feel that you need to come back and get married and have kids to live a fulfilled life. They're not because they're in a group mindset where they can't think that there's an individuality of of success, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you have siblings?
0: I have a younger sister. Yeah.
1: Okay. And is she still in it?
0: Um, it's that's a, that's actually a really complicated story. I, I, she's, I haven't talked to her in like 30 years, but she's not in it. Uh Um, yeah. And, and it's, and it all kind of, it's, I don't know if it's she has borderline personality disorder or what the situation is, but it's, I would have, you know, I'd be fine hanging out with her and talking to her, but there's so much, she doesn't talk to anybody. She's like a hermit. Okay. Um, so, and kind of like shut down, I guess is mm-hmm. um, so, yeah. So there's, there's no, uh, no communication there. And yeah. Yeah,
1: man. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, life is complicated
0: isn't it yeah and it's and sometimes it's just like oh but life is so not complicated but then we dig in and we're like oh wait relationship no i know really
1: yeah you're totally right like when you're doing yeah. like an interview like this you're like thinking about all this stuff that you never think about and you're like oh my gosh right <laughs> yeah no it's crazy
0: so what so uh, going back to what when did you go wait a second i think i'm a writer
1: um so to be honest, like I guess I always have like written stories like growing up and stuff and I used to be an actress. like I used to write little like screenplays and da da da. but then I I think after I left the Mormon church, I would say for a long time I didn't really know what to do. I also felt very like there was no point to like life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: so like it wasn't my most like ambitious period like I was kind of like I'm not going to do anything because the government's just trying to make me like work for you know although I did work to be fair not like I always had a job but like you know I just wasn't ambitious I didn't really believe in ambition let's say I just making money and I was just like kind of like you know just getting by let's say
0: well that Um, makes sense because if you're ambitious you're ambitious against the Mormons or even against the Jehovah's Witnesses if you're ambitious outside of them. This is what I found that I grapple with is yeah. when, if I pursue things that are not in line with the Jehovah's Witnesses then it, it might, there's a little um, there's a little uh, thunder in my soul because that DNA is going you're doing the wrong thing. You're putting yeah. your time in, in the wrong wrong way yeah. and I have to get over that. So I think it's um I I, I think there's 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 little there's stuff that I still have to work through where yeah. it's like, no, wait a second. This is worthy of my time.
1: No, that's uh, so wild, man. There's so many things you don't really consider. And then you're like, oh my gosh, that probably is like a huge consi- uh, a contributing factor. Yeah. Um, but so my sister-in-law is a really successful writer. And I kind of like just watched her success. And I was like, dude, I want to try to do that. So who's think,
0: your sister-in-law?
1: Her name's Kirsten White. So she writes like a, a lot of like young adult. and. Oh, cool. And and middle grade novels, but this year her adult debut is coming out. It's called Hide. Yeah, uh, she's also a former Mormon. I think I'm. Oh one. my god,
0: I I have to get her on Drinks with Tony you
1: should like she's yes so her book is okay well let's just quickly talk about the book it's called hide it's being published by del rey which is uh uh-huh. Press, the ones that did like mexican gothic like really cool so it's kind of a horror tinged thriller and it's about all these uh people who are taken to this abandoned amusement park for this like contest and they don't really know what this sort of contest is and that i don't like spoil it but like obviously that you find
0: everyone out. dies in the end Okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it's really fun. It has a really awesome, like cool cover. It's kind of like a 70s type. Oh, they have
0: the cover already, too. Yeah, you have
1: to look. It's cool. It's like almost like an old Stephen King style cover. Like it's a very cool cover. Um, Yeah, so it's called Hide. But uh, so I, yeah, I watched her do it and I was like, dude, how'd she do it? So I was like, let me just do what she did. So I like joined Twitter and I just started like reading all of those like blog posts about how to write a book, how to get an agent, like just got all the information that I could. And then I wrote like my first book and I sent it out to agents and they were like, oh, we like the idea, but we don't like the book. So I was like, okay, well, they like the idea. Let me rewrite the entire book. So I rewrote the entire book. And I actually, this time I was able to like get agents interested, picked an agent, got like a publisher interested or whatever, multiple ones and picked uh, one. So that was my uh, young adult books. And then, oh, okay, yeah. So then- So like, you started
0: books. in YA? Okay.
1: Yeah. Because like, I honestly was like just copying Kirsten and she was in YA. Mm-hmm. And so like, to me, it didn't even occur to me that I could do anything else. So yeah, I sold those and my husband literally died like right after. And it was so annoying because it was like, we had been like poor, like our whole time together. And like, I finally was like actually going to get money and we were going to oh, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, the worst. Um, yeah. So did you then- tell
0: him, well, you, Yeah. I, I don't know if you believe in the afterlife, but if you look up to heaven and go, you know what? You, we could have had this together okay. you
1: of course sometimes you do you go through yeah. different emotions when someone dies especially like his whole thing what it was like a very it was a yeah it was a whole horrible thing anyway so yeah then I, I did those two books my second book was obviously uh terrible because I you know it was too soon to be writing a book and it was just really bad yeah. So then well, you're prob-
0: it's processing. You, you I mean, essentially yeah. you gotta process yeah. a lot.
1: Yeah. I was like under a contract and I I wasn't thinking clearly. It was like you're just I was it was like you know, delusional, crazy thinking almost. Um yeah. So then it was like five years between that and my adult books selling. Um and, and I try like at first I was trying really hard to get published again and I was just kept getting rejected by my own agent. And finally I was like, Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. So I said to my agent, I don't want to do you know, I quit basically. And then I, um, that's when I moved back to America, I started working at a dude branch, um, which turned out to be another nightmare. And I, but this time, like a year later, when I moved to LA, I used that experience um, for my book, If I Disappear. And that's how I got my next deal. So it was kind of interesting because I like quit and started doing something else. And then that's how I kind of got back into it.
0: Huh. That's fantastic. I mean, and at the same time, do you realize how majorly huge that is? And so many people like never get published, you know, or never.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Of course. Like, I mean, I think that all the time, you know, I think everyone does. It's like, it's weird. Like, even like my friends who are like uber successful, it's like, we're all kind of, we're all like, kind of like thinking tomorrow it might all be over you know what I mean even like all my I have friends who are like bestsellers and you think oh they're probably just chill but no they're like oh my gosh my next book is not gonna do well everyone's gonna hate it or <laughs> my career is over
0: yeah and and I think that's what that that's who the great writers are because there's I mean I was who, I was I was talking to someone and um she was telling me yeah she's you know it's just like man you you're like she's like looking at me like I'm really successful and am like you know do you Like I've peaked, and I'm like, wait, what? No. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't peak yet. You know, it's there's I've done some, you know, I've done some stuff which my therapist always goes, Tony, let's go over your successes again because you don't realize what you've done. And I'm like, oh, you know, I've done everything wrong. I made every wrong decision. I should the the way the the way the movie like did you know I could have done this this and this instead after but instead I went this way and she's like Tony let's step back now tell me how many of your friends have done this this and this does anyone from you grew up with did anybody in the Jehovah's Witnesses or who left the Jehovah's Witnesses has anyone done what you've done and I'm like uh, no and so, you know, but, but I'm still not successful it's, it's
1: true though I mean to get a movie made that's like I can't even that's like another level that's really hard because I've like done like you know work on developing stuff and I, I can't mm-hmm. I don't you're like how does this even happen and I know it's like, I feel like for every, like, I'm like almost every writer, it's always kind of like a very, it can be a very like sort of stressful experience because things don't always go the way you want. Or you have like, influence. oh,
0: it's always worse. I mean, it, and, and I not, not to compare it to childbirth because I haven't had a kid, nor do I have ovaries, but, um, but it's just like, it's, there's points of it that are so high and points of it that are so low and awful and you're like fighting and you don't, and you don't have enough sleep. And, Man, and it's but there's something sexy about it too where yeah. you, you get out of it and you go we came out alive and then it's just like and then it's just like i okay, do it again <laughs> yeah i kind of do because they're the 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 forced immediate intimacy that happened especially with uh me and the few of the people that um yeah and when i say intimacy i'm not talking in a sexual nature i'm talking in yeah. just friendship yeah. but the you have It's just like, you know, something about these people and it's, you're, you were on that battleship with them and you, and you were all kind of sleepless and loopy and you all got into conflict and you all got out of conflict and then the healthy ones kind of like are really cool. And you're just like, don't ever leave me for the rest of my life. And they're like, you don't mean you neither. Wow, that sounds so cool. Yeah. That's why people
1: keep going
0: back for more. I know it's 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 like I kind of think of it like war it's and yeah and I, you know as I I'm, I'm reading all quiet on the western front right now I don't know if you've ever read that
1: I've heard
0: of it yeah it's we're both catching up on our literature I mean I'm yeah I'm it's just like people are like you haven't read that yet and I'm like no come on man I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to catch up but that's all world war one but I'm reading that and it's just like the intense the intimacy of men at war in world war one is it feels similar to the intimacy of what it's like to be on a low budget film set where we're all shacked up in same accommodations and stuff.
1: You have a common dream and you're all sort of fighting for something together. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Instead of wanting to kill the Russians dead.
1: Like slightly, maybe slightly less uh, (laughs) broth.
0: But in the film industry, it's way more violent.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll take a word for it. I I don't have experience with either, so.
0: No, yeah, so, but you but you work on developing scripts and stuff.
1: Yeah, and that, no, yeah.
0: How, how did you get into that?
1: Uh, Well, so to be honest, like when I originally moved to LA and like was like had the idea for If I Disappear, which is like basically the idea is just like what if a true crime podcast host went missing? I was like, ooh, this would be like a great, you know, like movie or TV show. But like the more I started researching the industry, the more I was like, well, it's impossible to get in. So I wrote it as a book. So when my agent, so I have an agent at WME. And so whenever she was going to sell it, she was like, do you want to like be attached as a writer? And I was like, yeah. So we spoke to like multiple production companies and the ones that there was two that came together that would, were willing to let me write. And so we're like, yeah, we go with you. And then for, the, for good rich people, again, it, like we like sort of included that I had to to be a writer. And this time it was cool because there was multiple people that were willing or even, you know, excited to have me write you know so that's like really cool yeah but totally because my agent i think the thing is it's like if you have a situation where you can get more than one person interested then usually that's how you get that on the table right because a lot of people don't want you to i mean most people probably don't want you to write
0: (laughs) yeah yeah but if that's that's
1: the only way they can get you and it's a competitive thing then they'll they'll be like okay we'll give you a chance
0: uh so have you written the screenplay for good rich people yet
1: no, I, we literally just closed on that. And like, the only reason we even took it out is because they were getting a lot of interest from people uh, early, you know, like we weren't even going to take it out. Um, so yeah, so we literally have just closed on that. I haven't spoken to the company that, well, I've spoken to them when, whenever they, you know, sort of made the offer and everything. But yeah. We oh, had- how
0: fun. I want to I see this movie. And then oh, the
1: TV series, man.
0: Oh, TV series. Oh, even better. Yes.
1: That's what I decided to do because some people only wanted to do film, and I was like, no.
0: Well, we're we're in such a different time where TV is utterly intriguing. Yeah. Who would have thunk that TV would be better than film?
1: No. And the cool thing about TV, too, is I feel like it's more about character, which I really like. And it's like you're going on a journey, and it's also like, as a medium, it's probably like the most reflective of real life because people don't change. (laughs) for years and years and they keep making the same mistakes No, but it's just like yeah.
0: <laughs> you hit that nail on the head it's that yeah it's that that's i that's in it i've never thought of it that way that people that in a tv series they're going to make the same mistakes over and over kind of in real life where in a <laughs> film they have to have an epiphany and go oh wait a second i've learned this about myself whether yeah. it's good or bad yeah huh.
1: I mean, that's what makes it, I think, kind of like, it's kind of like tricky and easy at the same time to write a show. But it's also what people start getting so mad and they go, oh, he's still the same and he hasn't changed. And it's like, well, dude, but if he did, it, it'd be over. Right. Don't you get that? Cobra yeah. Kai. Get, <laughs> Cobra,
0: Kai get, Cobra Kai. They can't work together. They can't work
1: together.
0: If, if Seinfeld became a mechanic, the whole series would just go away. Yeah. No. Anyway.
1: <laughs>
0: did you did you watch Seinfeld growing up or was that not in your I, house?
1: Yeah, no, I did. I did watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I didn't like
0: it when it came out. And then, you know, when I was younger, I was just like, I didn't get it because I don't, I was, I guess I just didn't understand the those people in the situation. And then when Curb Your Enthusiasm came out, and then I realized that Larry David was Jason Alexander, then I watched Seinfeld in a different way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, one of my friends was like super into it. Um uh, yeah, no, I like those were, you know, for the of the time, but it's a funny show. It was an
0: important and it was an important show at the time too. They 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 broke taboos, which I didn't even realize what was happening. But uh Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's good fun. Mm-hmm. Eliza, what are you doing to celebrate your book release? Do you have a book release celebration or oh, do yeah. you ju- are you just gonna ride your horse?
1: This is, yeah, this is how I usually celebrate uh, a book release is like, I do other stuff to try to make sure that you like remind yourself that there's more to life than just your book. Because it's like, I think if you get too wrapped up in this and you have all these expectations and stuff, you know, you're just gonna like be disappointed and it's important to like have that. So like, yeah, I'll be riding my horse, like maybe go to Disneyland. Cause I always go to Disneyland, um, you know, not like just do other stuff. And don't even do anything writing related because I think that it can just be like kind of crushing otherwise.
0: (laughs) 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 But it's, there's, a there is something so weird about something that you've worked so hard on and then all of a sudden everybody can get it at once. Yeah. It's, that relationship still blows my mind. And then it's hard for me to think about too. Like sometimes I can stand up and go, yeah, that was me. And then other times I'm like, I put my head back in the sand and I'm like, no, 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 I'm down over here working on something.
1: Yeah. And I feel like, honestly, like everyone plays the comparison game and it doesn't matter how successful you are. You always think of it. If you, you know, you have to just like realize what you're doing because everyone does it and they go like, well, but this author had, you know, you know, they got this or whatever it is. And like, I think that's why I think it's sometimes important to just be like, okay, it's coming out. Yay. But like also, you know, you're never going to have like the perfect experience. So just enjoy the good stuff and don't worry about not, you know, I guess not getting things or whatever it is.
0: <laughs> Eliza, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you. Man, we were talked all over the place here. Hold on.
0: You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCR LP, Santa Cruz.
2: There are some people trying to find out who. There are some people trying to find out why There are some people who aren't trying to find anything But that kingdom in the sky In the sky to spill Everybody water spread across the hotel bed Gonna swim to the middle and never come up again Let the river cast its spell on me Let the river cast its spell on me Doots.